Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Star Guys and Star Girls, to the final episode for season one wow. of Star Girl. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And bare bones intro there because we got to get into it. Lots of stuff to talk about in Stars and Stripe Part Two, as mentioned, the season one finale of Star Girl on DC Universe and the CW. Now, naturally, we're going to spoil this. We're going to talk a lot about this. There's a bunch of cliffhangers we're going to get to, but we're going to hold any uh, season two discussion for our bonus speculation. Podcast. That's right. Yeah, speculation. Although I think there's some pretty fair things that we could guess are definitely going to happen in season two. Uh, Pete asked right before this uh, whether there is going to be a season two. Yes, there is going to be a season two of Stargirl, just on the CW, though, not on DC Universe. Oh, so yeah. That should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Before we get into the recap or the recap of the recap or any further recap, I want to hear your overall impressions about season one. Now that it's in the rearview mirror, what's your takeaway? How'd you feel about it? Well, this is our season finale as well. So we got to have some big twists and turns throughout uh, this recording. So let's just keep that in mind. Um, That's why I think we got right into it, because just like this episode and just like the season of this show, they really went for it right out of the gate. There was no, um, no, like, oh, it's a superhero show, like the sort of standard origin things. Like, it dove in faster than I expected and really told uh, interesting versions of these stories focused on characters in a smart way and uh, built up to a good finale. Pete, what's your take? Uh, I laughed. I cried. It was better than Cats. Uh, to see the origin of maybe do you mean the, one— Do you mean the movie Cats or all Cats? Uh, all cats, all all cats. I think we, we got to witness the origin of maybe one of the greatest superheroes of all time. Talking about Mike. Um, uh, it was fucking psychopath murderer. Yeah. That's my dude. 
Uh, I'm riding hard for Mike, and I lost my goddamn shit on this episode. I don't remember it Mike. Was, was, was he the greatest? Was he in this episode? I, he, he saved featured? the day. I don't know if you remember, but he saved the motherfucking day. Oh, I think that the truck that was driven by the dog <laughs> in the episode. Well, guess who was driving that truck? Mike was. The dog Did was you know running there's Actually, there's no rules at the DMV that say a dog can't drive a truck. That's, that's true. And Alex, I would actually dispute that. There are, there are probably rules about that. I think the dog would have to pass a strict driving test. The written okay. exam alone would be very difficult. Right. The dog's uh, biggest problem probably actually is seeing a stop sign because they can't see, they can't see colors. I would like to say, <laughs> though, that like, uh, I started off the season with low expectations and like, oh, hey, let's see what's going to happen. I became very involved in a uh, show that was very emotional, really uh, well done, amazing fight stuff. Uh, I've, I was very impressed from top to bottom with what we got. I agree, and I think I mentioned this a couple of episodes back, but it really came to bear with this final episode here. There was a really good season structure as well as an episodic structure to the show, which is very hard to pull off. And particularly, you see this with a lot of the 22 episode seasons, things get a little soft in the middle there. You know, they sort of uh, wobble a little bit. You get one-off episodes that don't seem quite as important to the overall structure. But here, with rare exception, even with the two-part episodes that happen throughout, every episode told its own story, had its own arc, but you had things that started at the beginning that paid off at the end in a really nice way. Uh, This is great. Just a great job. A perfect example of what you're talking about, Alex, is a little Christmas gift that was finally given in this episode. (laughs) And you gotta be fucking kidding me! (laughs) I thought for sure it was gonna be a Rubik's Cube. What are the odds that it's actually a a strong uh, metaphor? Come on, you guys are dads. You didn't get a little choked up. I could not believe that this is, yet again, another TV show that we do a podcast about that we make fun of Pete for for 13 solid episodes, but he's right the entire time. It's, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's alarming. And it's another <laughs> twist and turn that makes this se- podcast season finale just even more shocking. Yeah. So let's give no, you but a answer very- my goddamn question. Did you guys get choked up with that mug? I want to talk about that at the end of the episode. That's oh. like the very end of the episode. We'll You're make there. me wait. But we might start crying when we talk about it. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, let, let me say one more thing, though. I actually thought this episode was one of the weaker ones of the season. Mm-hmm. What? Screw uh, you. I, I agree with you. that. It was That's the garbage. fights were great. They yeah. were. It, it's funny. I, I mentioned this. The I kiss think, of on, all kisses. Come on. <laughs> uh. I think I mentioned uh, the previous podcast. I talked to Brett Bassing, Breck Bassinger about this episode for my day job. Take a drink, Pete. Uh, but she mentioned that she could, the word she used for this episode was chaotic. And I think yes. that is absolutely correct. They did a great job with the stunts. It is wild how everything is happening all over the place. It's purposefully and calculatedly chaotic in the way that it's executed. But... Uh, I was surprised to see that it was only about 40 minutes long, and it felt like it ended about two-thirds of the way through, and then there was yeah. a very Return of the King, Lord, you know, Lord of the Rings, let's oh, have multiple stop. endings, spend a lot of time stop. on this stuff, and some of the stuff worked, some of the stuff didn't, but to Ooh. your point... Um, 
I like this as a ending to the season, but there are other episodes, I agree, that were probably stronger. Yeah, I liked what happened, but it felt like it sort of spilled out in a uh, uncoordinated think, way. Uh, I think it, you, it, said, you said that wrong. It's Wahhabis. Mm, yes, that is my mistake. But I think that's a good way of saying that this episode was a little bit like saying Wahhabis instead of saying what happened. <laughs> because I think we all want to know what happened. And when you hear Wahhabis, it makes you confused and angry. <laughs> all right, let's get into a very brief recap of what's happened previously on Stargirl, because there's almost too much that you need to know getting into this episode. And Clearly, if you watch this episode, you've probably watched the rest of the season. But Courtney Whitmore is Stargirl. She is the leader of a young Justice Society that is going up against the Injustice Society of America. They have taken over a small town called Blue Valley and are enacting their plan to brainwash at least... I would say half to, well, it's actually more like a third of America. They say half of America, but let's be honest, there's 300 million plus people, so their math is a little off. Uh, but during I their, think they were just talking about you know coverage of America, not sure, people. Sure, exactly. Well, this is the States. problem with when we talk about uh, senatorial representation is mm. there's a lot in the middle of the country and there's oh lots of the population God. there, Pete. That's right. So, hashtag so. Um, eliminate the electoral college. Hashtag the, what's up with the filibuster. <laughs> hashtag... Uh, this is what you guys want us to talk about, right? <laughs> I mean, last episode we talked about socialism. Right? This episode we're talking mark. about <laughs> representation. Get real political on this podcast. So uh, the ISA is going to enact this plan. They actually have some pretty good ideas that, as we discussed, are kind of socialist in nature. Um, but in order to do them, they're going to end up killing a quarter of the people, which seems pretty bad, I would say. 25 uh, mil? Yeah. yeah, 25 mil. They're led by a guy named Icicle, who uh, seems pretty conflicted about this plan. He's trying to do it to honor his wife's memory. On the other uh, hand, there's Brainwave, who has the power to control brains, create illusions, etc. He is just straight up evil. There's Dragon King, who's a crazy scientist. He has a daughter named Shiv, who he has locked away, who is also kind of crazy, may have killed her mother, um, as we found out previously. There's also Grundy, who is a hulking creature who has been Aww. locked away the entire show. We'll talk more Aww. about him later. He killed Rick Tyler's parents. Rick Tyler is our man in the New Justice Society. There's also Yolanda Montez, who is the new Wildcat. Wildcat, excuse me. Beth Chapel, who's the new Doctor Midnight. She's got some eye glasses. Eye, uh, eye for information. Ooh, hold for applause. <laughs> she has goggles. You fucking yeah, asshole. Yeah, they're, like, like, they're like eye, like the letter I glasses. I've said Google this on a couple of previous episodes. Okay. I'm just waiting for it to catch on, and everybody really excited yeah. when I say it. Yeah. The, the hype, the hype is real. We'll lay in some hype. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get it. We'll get it uh, trending up there. Uh, and there's also Barbara, who is Courtney's mom. She is married to Pat, who is Courtney's stepdad. Uh, Pat and Courtney have had an arc over the course of the season where she hasn't really trusted him or liked him. On the other hand, there's his son Mikey, who likes to eat snacks and hang out with a dog. And he sucks. Did you mention the gambler? <laughs> Fuck you, man. Let's remember oh, I did that. mention the gambler. The gambler uh, likes to hack things and sell fried chicken. Yeah, he's, he, gar he garon, garon, guarantees <laughs> he can hack into your computer system. <laughs> yep. Uh, so th the those are the major players, I think. Uh, there's probably a couple more. Oh, yeah, we should also mention Tubiturd. Uh, Tubiturd is the son of the Fiddler, or Fiddler number 2, who was principal of the school. She died. Uh, Tubiturd was bullied by some kids. and his... That's not really his name. 
No, I don't know what his name is. Isaac, maybe, Isaac. or something? His yeah. name is Isaac, but Tubaturd has definitely said more than his given name in these two episodes. <laughs> and he's given a very prominent role in this season finale, kicking it off. Yeah. Uh, Starts for what reason? I don't know. Three minutes ago with him whooping some ass. Well, first of all, I do want to mention, I love, uh, like, I cackled at the three minutes ago at the top of the episode, just with happiness, because... The every episode has started with a flashback to like eight years ago, two years ago, ten years ago, and that they do three minutes ago is so ballsy. It puts you so in the moment. It's like this is happening right now, even though it's three minutes ago. It's great. It was just like such a nice, smart little textual kickoff to the show. Yes, and I think I was all- like, all right. Oh, that's funny, but you're ridiculous. But we've all been hanging on the the tenters of expectation when it comes to what's up with Tuba Turd. So I, <laughs> the fact that they Where got to sort of... Where did you get this name Tuba Turd? They called him that last episode. That's what the bullies were calling him as Tuba Turd. Oh. And he told his mom he was called Tuba Turd. And she's like, no, you stick a yeah. fiddle bow through their ears. That's what you do if you don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Tuba Turd and fiddle bow. Toodle, 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 toodle. Uh, he called, he's called Tuba Turd in this episode as well. Man. He is. I think that's going to be a super villain name. Well, you should stop calling him that because he clearly doesn't like it. Otherwise, you're going to get a tuba to the head. You know what, man? I got a violin uh, down in my basement, so tell him to bring it on. Nice. We got wow. a fiddler here. We should, Pete, what instrument do you play? Or did uh, you play? I tried the guitar and then I quit. Great. So so far we got a violin and not not guitar. And I played the <laughs> I played the flute in fourth grade for like two months. Were you talking about the recorder? No, no. How we all had to play the recorder? No, I mean real flute. I when I was a kid, um, I like Ron Burgundy plays the flute. You play the flute? Yes. I mean, I never was very good at it. But I right before you choose what instrument you're going to play, my aunt who had a flute, I got a sound out of it, and she was like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, you're really good at that." And I was like. I must be a very good at it because she just said so. So I signed up to be a flutist, flautist, and um, it was horrible. And yeah. I, I failed at that. I'm okay. sorry, man. Uh, well, let's Zelda, keep going. Wait, wait, wait. So, Zelda, oh, we got to stay play? on Jupiter a little bit more? No, no. You, you play the violin for real? No, I, my daughter actually plays the violin. I just said I had a violin downstairs. Okay. Well, uh, I used to play the cello and the piano. Cello for a much shorter time than the piano. Wow, piano. so we got a piano in the game. I play the piano. How do you yeah. say that? P- oh, God, here we go again. What, Jesus Christ. We used to do this show at a place called... Pianos. Pianos. Right, which I pronounce apparently pianos. <laughs> Is that different? <laughs> How am I saying it? I can't hear a difference. <laughs> Oh, you so you say it so melodically, it's like yeah. your fingers are dancing on your own vocal cords. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> impressive, yeah. Oh, boy. All right, so moving on to The piano. So uh, in the middle of this fight, the ground starts shaking in the middle of the football field. Waves radiate outwards, and we get uh, we link back into where we left off the last episode, where we see what's happening to the rest of the town of Blue Valley. They are being brainwashed by brainwave. The adults are frozen. They're looking to the sky. There's a little sparks in their eyes. Uh, and we also see the same thing happening to the teachers of the football field. 
Uh, we didn't mention this in the recap, but it doesn't affect the kids, which I think is just, uh, again, such a smart, like, metaphorical way of setting up the kids versus the adults at the end. Uh, but then we get an interesting little moment that I was curious to get your guys' take on. I, I certainly have some thoughts, but Icicle's walking around town. The movie theater, instead of playing Strange Adventures, is now playing The Haunted Tank, another DC comic book. Uh, and Granted, they're also playing the same movies that they were playing 10 years ago in their alternate theaters. Whatever, we'll move past that. Uh, but Icicle goes up to a kid uh, whose daddy is frozen and is like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. When you wake up, your dad's going to be a good person. She says, but my dad already was a good person. Yeah. And then yeah, Icicle's was, like, nice. I don't care. See you later. Yeah, uh, he just peaced. What, in your mind, was the point of the scene? Because we cut back to this kid and her dad a couple of times throughout the episode. Well, I think it's a just to point out how much of a uh, douchebag Icicle is. But I wanted to back up the truck for a second. I was really happy that the... Oh, you want pra- to talk about Tuba Turd again? No, I want to talk about... <laughs> I really was happy that the mascot for Blue Valley, the prairie dog, got a lot of screen time before the field opened up. You know, it's mm-hmm. nice to see that prairie dog get that shout out, you know. Because mascot work is hard, and, you know, it's nice to see someone a little bit, you know, rewarded for it. But um, Now, when you I, hung up your mascot costume, that was a sad day for you, right, Pete? I did uh, try to be a mascot for one basketball game, and it's a nightmare. There you go. Wait, That's what, what were you? What were you as a mascot? Well, uh, it's the Fairport Raiders is the school that I went to, so it was a big pirate with a giant head with a patch over one eye, and it gets real hot in there, and it's hard to move. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really feeling it for the mascots. Yeah. Yes. Um, getting back to Alex's question about the little girl dad uh, icicle situation, I think this is meant to further push Icicle away from the other ISA plans. Um, and to make him challenge his thing, and he eventually, uh, like a icicle in the melting summer, cracks. Well, Ooh, uh, nice. It was also he was lying to that kid because if that dad fights the reprogramming, that dad is going to die. So that icicle kind of like paused his day so he could be a real just lie to a kid and then walk away. Basically, I, I think what I took away from it was. I mean, I guess all of that, but that it was supposed to try to ground it in this isn't just happening to our main characters. This is happening to other characters as well. This is going to affect more people and be a bigger deal. Um, I felt like I like those scenes. They were well played. I understand why you do that. You show, you know, in the middle of the big superhero fight, you cut to the waitress in the middle of the Avengers battle or anything like that to give it alternate stakes. But uh, it felt like time away from our main characters to me, and I care more about what's going to happen to Barbara, what's going to happen to Pat, what's going to happen to Justin. We already had enough of them uh, that I didn't feel like we necessarily needed this, even though I understood the utility of it. Well, but I, for me, it was like <clears throat> this character came in as like ranking just above Mikey is who I care about. So it was nice to have that extra slot there. <laughs> You're a Pete. fucking piece of shit. All right, so then we get back to the big main event, at least in terms of how we left off the last episode. How Stripe. do you sleep at night, you fucking cold-hearted <laughs> bastard? I sleep comfortably on a chocolate volcano of my own invention. <laughs> <laughs> Stripe versus Stargirl. We get to see oh. a bunch of that. Uh, meanwhile, Beth sees Barbara isn't moving. Gambler does a nice recap for her of exactly what's going on, as well as the audience. Helpful. Again, 
just in case you're tuning in for the final episode. Uh, and 26 minutes to go. Uh, we also get another sense of the stakes. And, and this is another thing. I don't want to harp on this too much, but why I thought the little girl thing wasn't important is like we see the teacher collapse and die. Yeah. And it was like, that's horrifying, it, but that's all that was Mr. Like, Jesus Mr. Christ, Levine. these are the stakes. What? What were you saying, Pete? It, his name is Mr. Levine. It wasn't some uh, teacher. All right. It was Mr. Levine. All right. Classic yeah. TV character, Mr. Levine. Yes. A lot of people have been talking about Mr. Levine. It's sad that in all of these plans that the ISA put out there that there was only one victim. Mr. Levine. <laughs> also, why was Mr. Levine fighting so hard about getting reprogrammed when the rest of our he- adult heroes are just like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it it sort of seemed like that's just kind of a thing that's going to happen, right? Like some people are going to be like, hey, get out of my brain, no matter I what. Guess, I guess if you're like a douchey gym teacher who won't let somebody stick up for themselves, you're going to fucking keel over and die, I guess. That's what the message they're sending. Wait, you hate Mr. Levine? Yeah, he was being a dick to fucking Tuba Turd, who was just trying to fight for his fucking rights, you know? You're on the Tuba Turd side? Tuba Turd's a bad dude. Dude, hey, if some jock is fucking busting your balls, making your life a living hell, you crack him over the head with a tuba, he'll fucking act better next time. Wow. I guess that traditionally the tuba was a weapon, and the fact that we, <laughs> we play it like uh, idiots is our own problem. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you've seen the HBO series Band of Brothers, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were a, a band. They were they band. Fought yeah. the, <laughs> fought the war. Exactly. I seen people it, but I assume that people talk about the brotherhood of that, and rarely do they talk about the straight jams they were cranking out in the middle of that war. I also uh, think no. the three hundred, the movie three hundred, all they all had tubas. Little known fact: <laughs> Zack Snyder was releasing that cut eventually as well. <laughs> release the, release tuba, the cut. tuba cut there we go I need you to it uh, now were you guys upset that like as fathers your one weakness was revealed on television where it was like she just had to be like I love you dad and then he stopped Pat like stopped what he was doing and being evil yeah I would never want anybody to know that I love my daughter yeah yeah God that would be terrible for me uh, I do think yeah, it was kind when of I'm, when up. I'm fighting my daughter that often mm-hmm. works on me, too. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet it does. I thought it was kind of messed up that Courtney was like, please, Pat, we need you. My name's Courtney, your daughter. Very sweet, very heartbreaking moment. He yeah. freezes, and then Beth is like, you're going to kill him. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. yeah, that <laughs> was funny. Conditioning, <laughs> and he starts bleeding from the ear, and it's like, stop yeah. it, Courtney. Just, like, yeah. get away from him and let him go. I'll, what are you doing? L- later, there was a part where... Uh, you know, they were like, Courtney was celebrating. She was like, um, your mom's still here and in serious trouble. <laughs> yeah. There was that. That's what this. I mean, we've talked a lot about the tone being like sort of funny and intense at the same time. This yeah. episode, it felt like it toggled between the funny and intensity, like a little uh, randomly or something. I it felt I like. I disagree. I disagree. I thought it was a fun seesaw back and forth of, you know. The perfect amount usage of Mike and his abilities. I'll just say there's a reason seesaws have been outlawed in New York City, Pete. <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. Is that true? That is true. Uh, they're not, I, I think you can still find them in like other parts of New York, but they were deemed too dangerous for playgrounds in New York City. <laughs> wow. 
Well, that's been, and you uh, are known as Seesaw Turd, right, around the parks in <laughs> in Brooklyn, because you're uh, you've yeah, been well, bullied. The big problem was uh, that kids kept getting launched into the air and never coming back down. Yes, it was very yeah. funny, but sad. <laughs> so uh, they all. Meanwhile, Wildcat and Our Man are with Shining Knight. Uh, there's a very funny moment where Yolanda's like, "Please, you have to break out of this. You are the Silent Knight." Mm-hmm. And our man says, no, it's Shining Knight. Like, Shining. I don't know. <laughs> we yeah, just missed this guy. He's our, we just, he's our janitor. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, that's, you know, it's a little shout out to Silent Night, you know. The song? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Nice. <laughs> yeah, shout yeah, out Silent people Night. Would shout that out more. It does shout out to Silent Night. Ups. Yep. So uh, then we get a little bit of a solution here. There's uh, a bunch of stuff going on throughout this, but Beth figures out that there are frequency blocking systems in the tunnels um, because she lost the signal in there versus now she can talk to everybody on our team. So she works with Chuck, a.k.a. Chuck McKnighter, a.k.a. Dr. Midnight in her eyeglasses to figure out how to break through goggles. Just say goggles. Google goggles. Google goggle. Uh, so basically what they figure out is they're going to go after Gambler's money, the thing that he loves the most. So while Chuck is hacking into and his he, money. He has a lot of money. Did you see how much money he had up there? He had a Woo. lot of money. That's yeah. great I guess when it, he's a great gambler. He knows when to fold them. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> does he also know when to hold them, or what yeah. do you think? Does he, does he know when to walk away and when to run? He, he did, did walk today. away at the. He did walk away at the perfect time. Yep. Yeah. Good ref. So uh, and while Chuck is hacking into his money and dispersing it to various charities, Beth uh, is getting into the signal blockers. Dragon King, of course, realizes something is very wrong and heads off to make it right because he's the true hero of Stargirl, as we know. Yeah. Uh, Pat, at that point, is freed. And another very sweet thing. Uh, he says, I heard you every word. I she will say every word. Uh, Every word. I, I do want to mention that despite agreeing with you, Justin, about like this not being the strongest episode, the emotional through line of Pat and Courtney throughout this episode was great. Very unbelievable. Sweet. Yes, I agree. Unfucking believable. And the fact <laughs> that we now know that Pat's Pat was able to fight off the brainwaves because his brain is smaller, like uh, which also explains a lot of Mikey. <laughs> I think that was some. Good, what the fuck are you talking just about, good man? World building you got, here. No, that does not hold water. I object. His brain does hold water. (laughs) Uh, So we get another sweet moment. Uh, There's another good emotional connection in this episode between Chuck and Beth. We've seen them develop a friendship. Um, Chuck tells Beth, uh, calls her his best pal, and she says, oh, it's a team effort. Very sweet, even though yeah. he is an AI. Uh, very nice. Barbara, meanwhile, as you mentioned, still under control. Uh, and Icicle, the leader of the team, is like, I'm going to take a little break, put on my costume, which is like a necklace and a jacket, and I'm going to take care of these kids once and for all. I really yeah. wish he called you them t- meddling kids, honestly. You, it was Brainwave who said that. It was Brainwave who was like, oh, I'm going to put this on five-minute loop and go That's take That's later on in the episode. Oh, they yeah, both wanted to take care of this once and for all. 
Oh, okay. Drinking King also wanted to take care of it once and for all. Everyone was had everyone had a real once and for all mentality throughout this whole episode. Um, I do think it's crazy that that's Icicle's costume. He looked like he was dressing to go undercover in a Twenty One Jump Street like situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had like, like one of those like Rainmaker neck. The necklace looks like that little Rainmaker guy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raincatcher or no, Dreamcatcher? Like, no, it's like a little figure that looks like it's playing a little trumpet that people like. 55-year-old suburban women sometimes are into. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Uh, no, I, I'm not familiar with that. How are you familiar with that, Justin? Yeah. Hey, I've been around the block a couple times. <laughs> um, yeah, I. he looked like he was about to be a background dancer at a 70s club. <laughs> I mean, that was his costume from the beginning. It's just funny to see him in it at the end after Neil Jackson has been wearing these very slick suits the entire season to be like, I'm going to change back into my work clothes. And then also I, not to ice up the entire time, which I'm sure was a budget thing, and that's fine. Uh, yeah. But it was, it's actually works a lot better when he's iced up, I think, versus it when it's just him as a person. Yeah, and I thought it was like the Prince symbol uh, when I first saw it. Mm. Uh, I'm talking about a uh, a Cocopelli, a uh, Native American Cocopelli symbol. Mm. Oh, cool. interesting. Well, Google save that. that for the season two speculation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so we also got a little tease in case you've forgotten about Grundy. Rick says, hey, after we're done with all this, I'm going to go kill Grundy. Yeah. And everybody's like, please don't do that. We have too much to deal with right now. Rick, there's a, too much going on, Rick. Come on. Too much Plus, happening. What is this? Uh, really? They have like a religious sort of conversation, Wildcat and Our Man sort of in the midst here, which I thought was interesting but odd. Yeah. Uh, she says, Yolanda says, God won't like it. And he says, God shouldn't let bad things happen. Yeah. I mean, I'll just I'll venture a guess about this, and maybe this is taking it a little too far, but not just the entire season, but there's very clearly at the end a dedicated to Courtney Elizabeth Jones uh, yes. title card. And as most of the listeners probably know, and as we've talked about on the podcast before, Courtney Whitmore is inspired by Jeff John's sister, who horribly uh, was killed during a plane crash, uh, and he based the character on her. So... I could certainly see how a lot of this is almost the thesis statement of the episode in a certain way, yeah. um, because That's it cool. is all based on this tragedy. And what do you do out of that tragedy? Do you create something positive? Do you do something negative? Where do you go with your life from there? Yeah, positive, that's, that's smart. Yeah, You should try to keep it positive. Great yeah, answer, uh, Pete. <laughs> and Pete, <laughs> why does God let bad things happen? Yeah, real quick, for Pete. just, uh, just like for a Pete. sum up. Just like a quick sum up. I mean, you know, it's... It's not really his fault. Like, we, we have our own will, and we can do what her we fault. want. Her fault. He's it's just trying to help us a yeah. little bit at a time. You know, he can't do everything. Well, she can't do everything. She, yeah. Thanks, he, me. she, or it, whatever is running this fucking shit show. <laughs> uh, and then we get... Big, big fight set up. Everybody gets into Dragon yes. King's Lair, the biggest set that they have, which with the most room to fight. Yeah, uh, everybody gets a dance partner, and who everybody gets on. a dance partner. We got, we didn't mention them before, but also Sportsmaster and Tigress are there, along with Icicle and Dragon King. They have a fun exchange right before they jump at each other. They say, "Wasn't that a fun night?" And they say, "Time to kill the JSA again." Again, and then yeah. you get that killer splash page shot of everybody jumping at each other. Yeah. 
great. So good. Great. It was so comic booky. And uh, yeah, the, the zoom around the room bit they did, I thought was just really great. It was fun. It's interesting but, to see this stuff because. I mean, it, it's not necessarily the first time somebody did it, I'm sure, but definitely the most iconic times on screen have been in the Avengers movies where they've tried to recreate these very comic book splash page moments. You have the spin around Avengers in the first movie. You have uh, the shot of them all jumping at the beginning of the second movie. And of course, in Captain America Civil War, you have the like all the characters running at each other moment, which is very like this. But it it doesn't feel like a ripoff here because this is such a comic booky show that it feels like its own thing, and I feel like uh, they make it stand on its own. Both the spin around shot, the splash page, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there we go. Uh, get a big fight, a gambler, and it's like time to even the odds and freeze <laughs> Grundy. Uh, Shiny Knight also accidentally opened Shiv's prison in the middle of the fight. Oh. Uh, Shiv, how'd you feel about this one, Pete? Because you're a big fan. Straight up kills Dragon King. Cannot believe it. Shouldn't have boxed me up, Daddy. Oof. Oof. She, she's a wild card. She is yeah. a wild card. I... I I'll venture first. I'm not a huge fan of killing off characters in general because, uh, I mean, like, obviously, but that's ending their story. Granted, it's a comic book show, uh, so anybody can come back at any time, particularly somebody like Dragon King, who's immortal. mortal. You can figure out ways around that. But killing him, uh, killing other characters in the show, it's it's a bummer for me. I'd rather see them get knocked out. Like, I think... Tigress gets knocked out, maybe, and Sportsmaster gets knocked out. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to see them again. That's more fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I did like that Shiv was the one that killed him. I thought that was a fun surprise. I also think it's uh, sort of disappointing that we only got the hood coming off once in the season, and it mm-hmm. didn't really um, do much. Yeah, I was. I want more Dragon King for sure. But the fact that it was such a what-the-fuck, oh-my-God moment that uh, – uh, I was it was fun to see. It was kind of like really the line that Shiv delivers almost into camera was so fucking badass. The uh, yeah, and I mean it serves a dual purpose, right? Like it serves the purpose of really fully one hundred percent turning her towards evil, and it also closes up her arc with her father that she's had over the course of the season. Um, so it made a lot of sense. It's just again. I think it's just a general thing uh, I have where I'd rather not see a character die almost no matter what. Uh, And in fact, Sportsmaster and Tigress, as we mentioned, get knocked out. Everybody goes after Icicle, at which point, yes, Pete. Uh, I just want to say uh, Sportsmaster gets, uh, uh, you know, Stargirl does an amazing like spinning jump kick and fucks up uh, Sportsmaster. And that was (laughs) glorious. Really well done. Yeah. Yeah, the fighting across the board, the fight coordination, the stunts, everything's been amazing. But then here comes Grunty, knocks Stripe clean across the room. Rick runs at him, gets knocked away. And then we get the full reveal of Grunty there. Uh, How'd you feel about the design? This has been in shadow, teased the entire season. We got to see him a little bit right at the beginning. But this is as close to broad daylight, I guess, as you can get. Uh, How'd you feel about it? I liked it. I mean... It is the fight once Grundy was there sort of took on um, a video game feel. Um, and I think they leaned into that well, because when you're doing something that is uh, all CGI like Grundy, like the fact that they leaned into that and 
sort of shot it like a video game as well, I think helped uh, make it all work. Yeah, I felt like um, in the beginning I was like, oh, this isn't the Grundy I know a little bit. But they kind of made Grundy a little softer in the face, uh, for especially for when, like, you know, we're going to talk about it later, but when Rick and him fight. But, um, yeah, I, at first I was like, ooh, this is a different Grundy. But then as it went on, I wasn't mad about it. It was kind of cool. Uh, but it was funny to be like Pat at one point was like, I've got Grundy. You go ahead. And I was like, mm, do you, Pat? I don't know if you've <laughs> <Yeah>. got Grundy. <laughs> he got Grundy. I, I can't fault a robot versus hulking Grundy fight. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so I it's like Grundy starts ripping off limbs and stuff. That was intense. It was cool. I would have appreciated – Grundy's a creature of the swamp. I would have appreciated some stink lines. Oh, mm. wow. Mm-hmm. Just like, to know uh, that he stinks. Oh, my God. Who's the Peanuts character with the stink Pig lines? Pigpen. Pigpen. I could not remember. Wow. There you go. Grundy's the pig pen of this particular show. Uh, So everybody breaks up to take care of their various missions uh, while Pat is fighting Grundy. Um, uh, Courtney and Yolanda head off to the machine, at which point Shiv grabs Courtney. Uh, Wild fight here. Just like, again, like everything with Shiv and Courtney, all of their fights have been so good this season. Yeah. 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 Agreed. I, I just want to talk about Yolanda. What happens with the Yolanda? Let's definitely talk about that. Let's get into that. Uh, Wildcat is immediately approached by a bunch of Dragon King's drones as she goes after the machine. Uh, Brainwave. Uh, and we should probably talk about this for a second because this was, I understand, again, the utility of this, but this was like the wildest thing I think that so happened in the wild. episode. So weird. Yeah. Brainwave realizes Yolanda's there. They're ready for the machine and says, hey, Gabler, just loop my signal for five minutes. Yeah, just it's loop. fine. We'll do the same Put thing. Put on a loop. It's like, hey, I'm driving across the country. Let's let Jesus take the wheel for a <laughs> It's the entire season. The whole thing has been about we need Braidwave's powers to power this machine. If yeah. he could just get up and take a bathroom break, what does it matter? Yeah. Hey, I mean, we're, we're the Rolling Stones. Um, we're just going to play our CD for a minute while we go take a <laughs> quick break. <laughs> but so, so there's this thing where you think Henry was back. And then Yolanda hugs him, and it's this sweet moment where I was like, oh, my God, Yolanda is hugging him and is happy he's alive. And then, like, Henry says one thing of, like, where's all the team, which is odd, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, he says, what's the plan? Where are your friends? At which point she just straight up slashes his throat. Slashes? Not like, hey, fuck you, that's not something Henry would say, or who are you? Punch him in the face, or no. Slashes his throat. She's a wild cat. Wow. Yeah. And says they were Henry's friends too. So, uh, what did you think about the scene, Justin? I know you predicted earlier in the season that Henry would turn out to be a drone. So, when this popped up, were you fooled or did you know what was going uh, on? I was, I was like, that seems weird. Um, despite the fact that I want always want my predictions to come a hundred percent true. Um, I, it felt a little weird that Henry would be there in a real way, uh, in that moment. Um, I thought it was very strange that brainwave goes out this early and this easily when he was like truly the, the most evil villain of the show. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, again, there's ways around it. It was another illusion that he created in order to get out or something like that. You know, you could always back away from this stuff. But I, I agree with you. I think it made sense 
like the other death that Yolanda took him out for Henry because they had this complicated relationship. I think it was well played across the board, but there was so much more that could have been done with him. Yeah. And it was just crazy because then Courtney joins Yolanda and Yolanda's like, yeah, I killed him. Uh, Sorry about that. No time now. Let's go. Well, she has a good line there. She says, I know it's wrong, but I did it. Yeah. Which ties into that discussion earlier that she had with Rick, where she was telling him, no, don't kill Grundy. And then she goes ahead and kills it. So this is something clearly that she is grappling with. She's grappling with it by the end of the episode. We'll save a little more of the discussion for the bonus podcast on this. But I think it's a, a nice, sad arc for her. Yeah. Uh, I did love the moment um, right here where um, Stargirl sort of finishes her fight with Shiv by saying, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's great. And just blasts her across the room. Yeah. She's yeah. like, yeah, this was fun, but I'm bored. Peace. Bye. Especially uh, this in comparison to Pat's line from a couple episodes back, you're lucky I'm busy. Yeah. Really has a, a father, father daughter. daughter. Yeah. They're busy and they don't like to be fucked with when they're busy. Yeah. Now, I feel like we're lumping on this episode quite a bit, and I don't totally mean to because I did overall really like it. Uh, but another weird thing to me was the conclusion of this whole conflict. Now that yes. most of the ISA is dead or unconscious, Courtney's solution is to fly up and blow up the machine. Yeah. And that's what works, and that's it. And then everybody has to run for their lives because now there's a flaming giant satellite that is falling over. The weird thing to me about it, I was trying to figure it out while I watched it, was, yes, I understand that you need Stargirl to have her own hero moment at the end. She has to be the one that ultimately solves this problem because her name is the title of the show. I thought it was going to be, oh, this is where all the kids see Stargirl and they know she's a hero and that there is a hero here. But we didn't get that moment by the end. You know, we didn't get that, like, who is Stargirl type headline that I feel like would have paid that off a little bit more. Um, And that was strange to me. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. It was a little strategically odd that this is how it went down, but I loved the the long shots of Stargirl firing on the dish. Like, it felt... Mm -hmm. So fun, so comic booky, and as a Starman comic book fan, very oh cool. There we go. I had to mention it at least once a podcast. Yeah, I think that it was kind of weird, especially because Yolanda and her had to run for their lives at the end. But I, I think it's one of those things where like they're planting a seed that all the students saw her, and that's mm-hmm. something that they'll cash in later. Well, and I will say, we kind of got a lot of wrap-ups of main storylines, right? Like, Rick's main storyline was with Grundy. Beth's main storyline oh, yeah. was with... Hold that? on. Uh, wait. Beth's main storyline was with uh, Charles McKnighter. Yolanda, of course, had a complicated with relationship with Henry. And as we know, Courtney always had that big rivalry with satellite dishes. So that yes. really, like, tied up that arc that we set up at the beginning of this season. Yeah. yeah, Pete, so I was trying to get a joke out yeah, there. You were trying yeah, you were trying to get his joke out. Yeah, my bad. I didn't mean to step on your bit. It's, yeah, fucked, up. Is... it's fucked up that Cameron ended up dating that satellite dish for most of the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she goes hard for the no dish uh, team, you know, yeah. all fiber optics, no dish. Yeah, um, fi- Fios. Yeah, she was screaming that while she was. Uh, Fios! Fios is better! <laughs> ditch the dish! Uh, 
Yeah, I, I I want to talk about there was this real interesting moment where all Rick wanted to do was kill Grundy. But then in the middle of the fight, you saw like Grundy with a sad face and you felt bad for him. And Rick got real angry and was like, fight me, fight me. And Grundy wouldn't do it. And it was this thing where Rick was just like, get out of here, uh, which was nice. He let him go. And then the uh, silent night was like, hey. You were supposed to kill the dragon or whatever. He was like, oh, you you didn't slay the beast or you let the beast loose. And that was kind of interesting. Uh, Justin, I'm sure you'll want to talk about this because I felt like this very strongly ties into the depiction of Grundy and Starman, right? Um, yes, uh, sure. Um, in, in Starman, the comic book, Grundy is a hero. Um, and the thing with the actual DC Comics character is that he's reborn in the swamp yeah. um, whenever he dies. I'm familiar. Yes, and whatever um, – it's a different sort of personality rises to the top um, in each uh, reformed Grundy. And uh, this is sort of a very much a Hulk Grundy. There's a, like evil sort of evil uh, genius Grundy. There's the kind-hearted sort of um, of mice and men uh, Lenny Grundy from the comic books. So, yeah, I like seeing uh, the soft side of Grundy, as Pete called it. And I, I'm curious if he'll come back and have that sort of almost heroic side. That would be cool. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, let's move on to Barbara and Dr. Midnight. Uh, we should also mention the dad on the street in front of the movie theater is fine. Don't worry. Yes, he's okay, survived. guys. He's okay. And we should also remember, I'm sure we're going to talk about this in our bonus podcast or maybe dedicate most of it to The Gambler Escaping and what that means for season two um, of The Gambler <laughs> or maybe a spinoff or something. Everyone's fa- fan favorite character. I think he's going to, like, evilly take over a couple of QVC shows. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Don't you do that just by walking on set and start talking? Yep. Yeah. A lot yeah. of money to be made on the uh, oh, QVC. Yeah. Uh, so Barbara is also fine. But then Icicle comes in, freezes the Midnight Goggles, and basically uh, kills Dr. Midnight, John. kills Charger Kniter, and then grabs Barbara at runs. Uh, and... We get a nice moment here where Rick tells Pat to go save his wife, and Pat's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And yeah, Rick's, Rick's like, like, you don't need it. Yeah, Walt, you don't need the damn robot. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so he says that. Uh, yeah, but uh, so we get a bunch of stuff going on here. Um, basically, Jordan brings Barbara to the roof, shows her to the town, and is insane in this moment, like absolutely yeah. completely unhinged being like, look at this town. We could get married. We could have a life together. You and me and Courtney also going to kill you guys, but don't worry about it, but no big deal. And I'm going to throw and you off the roof, but it's cool. Plus my parents are going to be there. They're so cool. I mean, they, uh, they're monsters and they hate you too, but my parents are going to hang. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, look at me, look at me. That's uh, some intense flirting. He's flirting very hard. Well, what did you think about this conclusion? Because after the big satellite thing, after the big ISA versus JSA fight, it really comes down to Icicle versus Stargirl on the roof. Yeah. I think that's – I like that it's Icicle versus Stargirl. Um, I thought Icicle just lost all of his power, though. Like, he wasn't scary at all at this point. He was just so unhinged and so, like – like obsessed with Barb sort of out of nowhere. Um, so I don't know. It felt a little odd to me. 
I did love how. Uh, I wish all of you listening could see P- uh, Pete's expression right now. Where he's like, "Well, of course you'd be obsessed with obsessed with Barb." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are exactly. you even talking about? We've yeah. got our own uh, Amy Smart icicle in the form of Pete LePage. Um, yeah. How many times, Pete? Uh, how many times have you grabbed Amy Smart and taken her to the roof? <laughs> I would never do that. You know, if she wanted to grab my hand and be like, hey, let's go to the roof, I would definitely do that. But <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, this was great because, like, they're. I just want to say that's a very uh, smart decision. Thanks. Uh, we're, Get they're smart, on baby. The roof, they're on the roof, and it's like, you know, we have that classic moment where Pat's like, hey. And, you know, it turns around and it's just Pat. And Evicicle is like, what are you going to do? You know? Uh, and it was a fun moment where he's like, oh, yeah, I brought my daughter. And then yeah. she flies in and they start fighting. That was a great moment. And then, of course, she knocks him to the ground where once once Icicle's on the ground, then, you know, that's. Yeah. When you're on the ground, you're in Mikey's world. Yeah. My man. <laughs> Mikey, who's 14 year old, drives down the truck. to Mikey town. Now, how many people do you think Mikey hit with that truck on his way there just for practice? <laughs> just in At case. Least, yeah, just a couple. A couple just of practice couple. runs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of nice pieces of dialogue or crazy pieces of dialogue I wrote down here. But just uh, Barbara saying, your wife would be horrified to see the person you become. Him shouting, you didn't know my wife in her face. But she was uh, right. And then... She's right. Uh, the like you talked about, Pete. The I'm here to protect my wife, and him saying, "With what exactly?" And him saying, "Our daughter." And uh, yeah, just that big fight there. Icicle does finally ice up. We get a nice moment where Courtney superpowers the staff uh, to blast him. Says, "You can never save America. You're filled with too much hate." Yeah, which feels. On the opposite end of the weirdness about socialism in the last episode, probably the closest that this show is going to come to any sort of political commentary, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like American flag shots and like, you know, that was a little, got no, a they, little talk, heavy. they talked about gerrymandering in one episode. I think. Yeah. Didn't they yeah, for a yeah. Bit? Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, we could probably actually spend a lot of time talking about this if we really wanted to, but this is a show that is very much looking at, I would say, an idealized version of America that uh, very much doesn't exist at all right now. And yes. it's not specifically making a comment on the current time so much as the hope and dream and wish of America versus the potential reality. Yeah, and I think it, it's about sort of like the uh, small town America, the dream of that, and there's in there's this secret underbelly of the villains and then the fact that twist of them wanting to make the world a better place at the cost of 25 million people. All that stuff, I think, works. It just so happens that we're living through a wildly different <laughs> America right now. So yeah. it feels a little like one step away from even that sort of basic breakdown of how American culture works. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. There's, It's funny. There's a lot of shows right now that I feel like take on extra resonance just because of the current time where you're like, wow, that was really prescient. You filmed this a year ago, and it just magically turns out to be incredibly relevant right now. Star like is almost... Yeah, like Watchmen, uh, Stargirl is the opposite way, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but no. like you're saying... It's not actually commenting on anything right now versus just general ideas, which which in a certain way leads into the comic booky nature of it. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's like back so, to like a law, a law and Order episode that's ripped from the headlines, and the headline is like, uh, man steals a diamond. 
it's like, well, there are other much worse headlines now. So it doesn't feel quite so edgy to rip a story from the headlines. Yeah. Uh, now, can we talk about, Pete, I'm sure you have some thoughts about this, the fact that Mikey murdered a man. And again, I don't want to get too much into the season two stuff. Is he going to go down for that crime in season two? OK, well, first, let's you know, let's let's back up the Mikey truck for a second. So w- there is this m- moment the, where the, the Mikey, that's a literal Mikey truck. You're talking. Yeah, I know. Uh, so Icicle's on the ground and you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden Mikey drives a truck through the frame and basically murders Icicle. And not basically, he breaks him into a thousand pieces. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know about you guys, but I screamed. I was just like, yeah, that was, I got up out of my chair, did a lap of just happiness. My immediate reaction was he got a taste for blood last episode. He's back for more. (laughs) And it's very funny that Icicle was like, Hey, that Mikey dude, kill him too. And then Mikey's the one that, uh, they wrecks him with Mikey, man. Also, Yolanda, very conflicted about killing Brainwave. Mikey, like, yeah, I killed a man. (laughs) Very believable. Yay. Yay. You put my sister in the hospital, I put you into an ice chest. Get out of here, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm watching the dog. (laughs) He gave him a pizza of his mind. Pizza, pizza, in, pizza in my mind. What is going on with this? Come on! (laughs) This is great! Uh, Crazy. Uh, And then, Pete, you had to be very happy because... The Pat kiss and Barbara. of all kisses. You want to talk about oh the chemistry, the sparks were flying on the top of that roof, the blue sky in the background. Oh, that was magic. Absolutely magic, Justin. Fuck I, you. I well, don't give me a pre fuck you. Wait till I say what I'm gonna say. Um, you know it's gonna be a fuck you. Really. I I see why they had them kiss, but it felt so out of place to have them Shut just be like <laughs> It felt like they were celebrating, like, Mikey finally killed someone, like we said. <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> I wrote down, the part that weirded me out was Courtney looking up happy, watching her parents kiss, which no child in their right mind would ever do, even well, in those circumstances. No, no, she kept no, saying, no. keep going, keep going, get a no, room. No, keep no, going. Hang on, hang on. Now, if you, can I, can par- I take some pictures for later? If the parents, if it was a child whose parents may have broken up or gone separate ways and then kissed to symbolize that they're going to stay together, you would smile and be happy. Even though normally you're like, ew, gross, but that's a great sign of their relationship is okay. They should have cut to Mikey being like, yeah. Mikey tries to hit them with the truck too. (laughs) (laughs) Drives straight up the building, gets about halfway and it falls over. Oh, man. Uh, so then we get a bunch of wrap-up stuff. As mentioned, we get the very much uh, the Return of the King section. Everybody Stop jumping saying on the that. I mean, it this is. was wild. The, all the stuff in here was very wild to me. It was glorious. Uh, what, what specifically? Was there anything specifically that jumped out to you, Justin? Uh, Beth is obviously very sad. I thought we were going to get some sort of nod to, like, it's everything's going to be all right. Yeah, nope. With nope. Yolanda is not in a good place at all. Uh, yes. Yeah, Yolanda is. I wrote the word I wrote down was haunted. Like she, yeah, I was like, guys, she I wrote down, it. guys, Yolanda isn't okay. No, yeah. she's not okay. Beth's not okay. Courtney and Rick are the only ones that are like, yeah, this is great. Uh, and then we do get this one. Uh, I could not believe this. Like they spend so much time on Justin, the janitor, yeah. leaving, where he turns back and he's like, I did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Pat, Pat gave him a little pep talk. Pat was like, that's not true, man. 
you helped out. And yeah, he did help. I mean, when they were fighting the Injustice League, he paired off. He was there. Yeah. Uh, Justin, don't you remember when you, uh, instead of solving the problem in Rick's journal, you cleaned the bathroom? And do you remember when you freed Shiv from her prison? Uh, those were really helpful, both those things. Actually, the Shiv thing was. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You, yeah. tru- you truly are a silent knight. Shout out to Silent Knight, <laughs> the famous Christmas carol. <laughs> Uh, but we do get a little bit of a tease there. Justin says uh, Starman would be proud of them, and then he says he's going to go look for his horse, and also the other seven soldiers of victory, and then Pat says, oh, I'd really like to see them again, and then they pause for, I want to say conservatively, 20 minutes where they look at each other. Back and forth. <laughs> Definitely a lot up. of, that lot was of not... filler time. No. I mean... They started looking at each other. There were a series of commercials where they were also somehow in the commercials <laughs> looking at each other. And they came back to their show and they were still looking at each other. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It was a and then they turned to the screen and were like, in season two. I don't know if you guys <laughs> yeah. got that. <laughs> uh, and then Justin leaves. Uh, Barbara wonders what the rest of the world will think. Uh, Pat says... And we'll definitely touch on all of this stuff at the end here of the bonus episode a little bit more. Uh, but they always come up with a story, and she says, who does? Who does? Nice little tease there. Uh, then we go. Justin, I'm going to turn to you in a second for this one. Oof. They go to the ISA headquarters, and the news report is on. Of course, they have made an excuse for what happened with the satellite dish, but it turns out it is none other than the shade is there. Yes. And he says, oh, Jordan, I told you it was a folly thought of you in that moment justin how'd you feel about that i mean i uh, as a fan of the comic book the shade is such a big character in the starman comic book with my jane robinson james robinson a producer of this show as well um great to see him and it feels like it is that starman comic shade of a, vil- a villain who is maybe not uh, much of a villain anymore and someone who is just observing it all while drinking a sherry the fact that they dedicated a you know, a couple, like, 90 seconds to this revealing the shade here I thought was awesome. I hope it bodes well for uh, season two. Uh, I, I wrote down evil ghost magician, so I, I didn't know it was the shade. <laughs> it was the shade. Uh, the one that got me that this is one of my favorite DC Comics villains that, like, I got goosebumps at the end because I knew it was coming, and then they said it, and I couldn't believe it. Because it's in... Uh, thanks for blowing my head again. <laughs> uh, William Zarek's storeroom. Someone is tearing everything apart. Turns out it's Shiv. She found the black diamond. And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe they're pulling out the black diamond. And then she says, I see you in there, Eclipso. Again, one of the biggest DC villains. Definitely, like, very tied to the JSA and Jeff yeah. John's run on the comics in particular. He does some amazing stuff with that villain, so I'm very excited about that. I can't believe they. she said the word Eclipso. It was crazy. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I do think that's a great storyline to run through a season of television. Yeah, I agree. We'll t- Again, we'll talk more about this on the bonus episode. Then we're six weeks later, and we get the big scene that Pete wanted to talk about right at the beginning of the episode. It's Christmas again, just the way we started. Barbara is making... Way too many cookies for the amount of people there. Uh, not, just, well, no, no, not when you have Mike. When you have Mike, Mike eating cook, no, cookies. No, Mike is eating salad and uh, enormous medieval times style turkey legs now. Yeah. That's what he's on to. Yeah, Pete, uh, f- thoughts on M- Mikey's food changes? Uh, it's not going to stick, man. He's going to mouth those cookies. It's just all he's going to make a plan. he's going to make a hummus volcano. Yeah, <laughs> was that fun? <laughs> Just as it's fun. Spitz Just Moussaka. As 
<laughs> All right, come uh, on, let's talk about it, you fuckers. Stop. Yeah, let's talk it. about it. So the dog picks up the drumstick, runs upstairs. I really thought we were going to get some more with that. Finally, like some payoff with Thunderbolt or something, but we did not get that. Uh, that's fine. But Courtney calls over Pat, says she's got a surprise. She gives the present that she saved for her dad 10 years earlier that you have been talking about incessantly on this podcast, Pete, and says, it's something I've been waiting to give to you for a long time. Barbara sees, and it turns out it's a world's greatest dad mug. And he says, I love it. And they hug. And yes, Pete, to answer your question from earlier, I cried. Like, straight up, wow. like, could not believe it. Just... It was it was a perfect payoff for that. Like you could not have asked for a better emotional payoff than that moment. It was big. How about you, Justin? Uh, I didn't cry. Uh, mugs are. Oh, what are you uh, made of steel? Mugs are decent gifts, I guess. <laughs> World's greatest daddy. You got to be fucking kidding me. I hate to tell you, but that that doesn't mean he's necessarily the world's greatest dad. Oh, There's a lot of mugs with that. You're a fuck. I've said it once. I said it a million times. You're a piece of shit, man. Come on, like, that didn't that didn't get to you at all. It should have said like a pretty decent dad, oh, or one you. of many great fathers. Fuck or it could have you. said like to Luke Wilson, thanks for a great season. That's see, that's great. <laughs> see, that's great. It was really actually the line before that that got me more than the bug. It was the something I've been waiting to give you for to you for a long time. That yeah. was the line that got me. Just we've gotten her calling him dad several times throughout the episode, but. That she was, for those of you who don't remember, waiting for her dad on Christmas. We've seen her dad as a con man asshole over the course of the season. And that who she was really waiting for was Pat Dugan is a really wonderful moment in my estimation. I agree. And the fact that they've really that moment really solidified them as a family. Um, uh, Barb and Pat are back together. Uh, Mikey, obviously, on his way to becoming a Dexter like sociopath. (laughs) It's going to be great for them to really monitor him together as a group. Yeah, but even the look over at Barb in that moment, I was just bawling my fucking eyes out. It was so touching. And the fact that, like, they did such a great job of teasing us with that enough and then having it pay off in such a touching way. It was just really phenomenal. And then we get a bunch of scenes of everybody together. They take a picture together on a Polaroid. Uh, Courtney puts the pic on her board. The staff comes and knocks on the window. Even though it's very cold outside, I hope the staff has some sort of heating array Mm -hmm. in it or something like that because Courtney's wearing shorts. Yeah, Yeah. right? She's wearing shorts. She's going to get very cold. She should put something warm on, I think. Uh, She flies over snowy Winterfield in Blue Valley. Lands on top of a water tower, the American flag in the background, Stripe comes out there. I believe this is one of the covers from Stars and Stripe. I don't remember yes. which issue. I should yeah, have looked I, it up before this. I think you're uh, correct. But I was worried because I was like, Pat, I don't think that water tower can hold the giant robot. But luckily, luckily it can. Uh, and that's basically the end of the show. We'll get to the last little tag in a second. But how did you feel about this wrap up? I've. Honestly felt to the point you were making earlier, Justin. I liked it. It was well filled. It went on a little too long for my tastes. Yeah, I I agree. Like the the resolution of the battle felt so early in the episode that this stuff felt like it was like and this and this and this. Um, But I did really like the stuff that happened, like the setups they do, the emotional payoffs. I think it's uh, very cool and great. that Pat, Pat has a mug now. He can have coffee. 
fuck you. But and then he's been trying to hold it in his hands and it keeps burning him. And ow, so. ow, ow! <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> this. fuck you. It was fucking oh, wow. amazing. Ow. And then the after ow. credits, hot. You guys just see how hot this coffee is. Uh, the after credits hey, moment. I built you a, a coffee volcano. It'll spit coffee in your face. So I get no respect. <laughs> the We're after credits feet? moment was also really nice. Yes. So after we do get the dedication to Courtney Elizabeth Jones, a very sweet, a really wonderful way to wrap up the season, we get a little tag. And it's North Hollywood, California. A man pulls up an account invertible, talks to the building manager, says, I'm looking for Pat Dugan, cuts back. It's Joel McHale. And he says, guess what? We're rebooting the soup. And people lose their minds. And that's the end of the season. No, he says, my name's Sylvester Pemberton, uh, and Mbop plays again back for the first episode of the yeah. season, which is yeah. a wild callback there. Um, but there you go. That's the end of season one of Stargirl. Any final thoughts before we start to wrap up? Uh, really worth the time to invest in, in a show. I think it does a great job of, like, regardless of you guys being douchebags, like, paying off on some really heartfelt, emotional stuff. You know, uh, giving you the kiss of all kisses. Uh, it was just, uh, it was, it's worth it. It's worth the time and energy to invest in something like this. It really delivers on what it promises. Yeah, I really like this season as a whole. Um, very excited for season two. A show like this that can come out and be that confident for a first season will, I think, only increase in confidence uh, in the second season. And Mikey sucks. <laughs> Fuck you, man. You couldn't do it. All you right. couldn't do it. Let's do this before we wrap up here. And again, on our bonus episode, which will be up Tuesday night, right after the East Coast airing on the CW. Uh, who was the star of the season? Who was Ooh. who was your number one? Pete, I have a feeling of who you're going to go for. But versus the episode, who was the star of the season? Pete, you can kick it off. I'm going to go with Mikey because you can't have Stargirl without the greatest superhero, Mikey. Uh, hey, if you have problems, call Mikey and his truck. He'll take care of them. Great. Uh, Justin, what about you? Star of the season? Well, I mean, uh, that's... Uh, I feel like you gotta... Give uh, it to Dukes? You, the Dukes? You, the Dukes? No, uh, you gotta give it to Stargirl. I mean, she is so good throughout the season. You really see her... Her arc is really well plotted. Like, the way she becomes a leader in these last few episodes. In this episode, you see her assess the battle and jump in to help her fellow JSA members in just the right way. Little moves like that really made it a satisfying arc to have her go from being just a gymnast who uh, moves to a new town to a legitimate superhero. And I thought they just did a great job plotting that out. And I'd give a shout-out to Brainwave as Mm -hmm. just a great great villain that they was dispensed with a little too quickly maybe but they turned that someone who was like sort of doofy and like uh took courtney for granted at the top of the season to a the emotional peak for me of the season was when he killed his son and then uh was truly evil yeah, I, I was kind of waffling between him and a couple of other characters because he was such a good villain. I think ultimately just you're you're right about Courtney. There's no way around that. But I'm going to call out Beth as my star of the season. I just I thought Angelica nice. Washington was so good. I loved watching her. Her stuff with Charles McKnighter was so much fun. I yeah. can't wait to see what happens with her in a second season. And I hope she does get more of an arc because I do think 
there was some really nice stuff with her, but it was resolved very early. And then she became the info person, even though she had fun bits throughout. Um, so like Rick got this great emotional arc, like Yolanda has this great stuff going forward. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Beth, because I think there's going to be awesome stuff. Uh, and she is awesome at it. But and if she it. just if she oh, just yeah. grabs an, a portable Alexa, she can sort of do the same stuff. No, yeah. no, she can't, man. <laughs> <laughs> the t- connection that she has with Chuck is too real, all right? Don't take you don't that away think, from her. You don't think people can have a connection with their Alexa? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Chuck and her, okay? Don't yeah, try by the way, I apologize to anybody who is listening to this podcast not on their headphones. Uh, but just to be clear, Alexa, order 50 cookies. <laughs> if you like support our podcast patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every tuesday at 7 p.m to crowdcast and youtube come hang out definitely want to chat with you about stargirl answer any questions that you might have star guys pod socially on twitter instagram and facebook itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more Until next time, sign it off for the Star Guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.